you know, when we started at the very beginning, it was all about the products itself because we wanted to make sure that when people get it, they don't throw it away. Because that was that's the big problem with swag. And everyone thinks of swag as like throwaway, costing the company money, tarnishing your brand. And it's not that at all. If you really focus on the quality aspect of swag, it can make such an impact. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jeremy Parker, who is the co-founder and CEO of Swag.com. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm excited to chat. I, you know, when when I was looking it up, I'm like, Swag.com, that's a damn good website name. It looks like you do some damn good work. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are now? That's a good question. So, Jeremy Parker. I uh, I started Swag.com in early 2016 with my co-founder, Josh. And our idea was there's all these different buyers within organizations. So really trying to focus on the B2B buyer. And there's the marketing team and the sales team and the HR and the office manager and all these different divisions within a company. And they buy Swag for very different reasons. For example, HR managers buy Swag to onboard new hires. And office managers buy swag to keep the company culture thriving. And the sales team buy swag to close sales. And the marketing team buy swag to engage with their best customers and, and convert, right? Really ROI focused. And we wanted to focus and build the right platform for all these different buyers to make it very easy for them to find what they're looking for, design it, buy it in a matter of seconds, hold an inventory and distribute swag to all these different remote addresses. And we really have been laser focused on just growth. And you know, giving an amazing experience to customers. And since we started in 2016, we've grown over 100% every year. We have nearly 10,000 companies ranging from Facebook, Amazon, Google, Netflix, Spotify, TikTok, buying swag through our platform, warehousing with us, doing distribution. Did a little over 30 million of sales last year and, and on track to do over 60 million this year. Hey man, that's very exciting. Congratulations on, on not only the current success, but the path to success. I think that's really cool. Was swag.com your first idea? Like how did you end up here through your like journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. No, not at all. I've had a lot of, a lot of failures, I would say some mediocre successes on the journey with every, you know, I like to think people say that entrepreneurship is like overnight success. You just, you built this company in six years, but really it was 12 years before that, doing different startups and failing and learning. And it's really just a learning game, right? It's like, there's a famous saying, win or learn. You launch something, it's not going to work out perfectly. Most likely it never does. And trying to learn from it and pivot and make it better. And so my first business, actually, I'll take it back to college. I used to be a documentary filmmaker in mm-hmm. college. And when I was about 18 years old, my documentary won the audience award at the Vail Film Festival. And I remember I was in Vail, Colorado, and and I'm at the quote-unquote celebrity brunch. And half the room were these big superstar A-list actors and producers and directors, and half the room were these struggling artists. And I asked myself two questions. Number one, did I love it? And was I that good? And both answers were no. And I think once I realized that maybe this is not the career path for me, I got to figure something else out to do. So went back to BU, graduated two years later and started my first business out of college. And I had no business experience whatsoever, but I, I wanted to learn what I was good at and frankly, what I enjoyed. So right after college, I started a t-shirt company, a really high-end t-shirt company called Tees and Tats. It was tattoo apparel, $300 t-shirts, 
And I you know, learned how to manufacture and create a website and design a website and PR and branding and every aspect of starting a business with starting this t-shirt company. And I launched it in 2007. And if you remember 2007, this is the recession. I know we're back in a recession now, it feels like, but that was you know, the most recent recession. And all these high-end stores that we were selling to went under, went bankrupt. And I remember I had this idea because I didn't want to just die. you know. So I thought of, what if I tied the prices of our t-shirts to the price of the Dow Jones? So for every 100 points of Dow drop, people get a discount on their t-shirt price. A little bit gimmicky, but I wrote this to Mark Cuban, his blog, Blog Maverick. He ended up loving the story, wrote about it in his blog, ended up being seen by Ad Age. They wrote about it. And ultimately, I was introduced to a leader in the promotional product space uh, who runs a nearly a billion-dollar company in the industry. I went, met with that CEO. We hit it off. And frankly, I learned about the promotional industry when I was a 22-year-old. And I used to go to different conferences and see how broken and fragmented it was. And it was an amazing industry, a very powerful industry where there's such, you know, it really has an impact. Swag really plays an impact if it's high quality. But all the sales that I was envisioning and seeing was very manual, you know, presentation decks, back and forth emails, phone calls to close sales. And I just figured there had to be a better way. Now, after that, I did that for three years, then started a business with my brother and Jesse Itzler, who's the co-founder of Marquee Jet, private jet company. We started a company where we did product placement for YouTube videos. So now it's such a mainstream thing. But back in the day, it was the Wild West. All these YouTube stars were having millions of views, but living in their parents' basement. So what we did is we saw this YouTuber who had 50 million views on a video, and we connected them to State Farm or Colgate or Verizon. We got these big, huge brands into the YouTube videos. And what it did was it made these YouTube stars millionaires. And then we thought, well, what if we could do this with real celebrities who have Twitter following? So put in perspective... Pitbull, for example, has like over 30 million followers on Twitter now. When we reached out to Pitbull for an agreement, he had, I think, like 3,000. Like it was very, very little. It was like early, early days, like really buying oil before you know, oil was valuable. That company, when I was 25, sold to a publicly traded company. And then I had another startup that I spent for three years and it didn't work out. It was a social networking app that didn't work out. And when I realized through these ups and these downs and this a lot of entrepreneurial highs and lows is that you have to really take what you learn from all previous experiences and implement it in the new thing. So with Swag, I took a lot of learning from the failure. You know, my previous app Vouch didn't work. I spent three years on it. It never took off to where it needed to be. And I took from that, that I spent, I mean, a high level story. I took, I spent a year and a half building this platform and this app, you know, before we launched it. And I would overthink every little detail, every little detail I would sleep over it. And when I realized is when we launched it, all the things that I cared about that I thought were really important, our customers couldn't care less about. And all the things I didn't even think about, those were the things that the customer really cared about. So with that, so with swag.com, we launched it without building anything. It was just like knocking on doors, speaking to customers directly, making sales, learning from it, and only building the right platform based on what customers are telling us. That's first of all, super cool. Such a cool origin story that I wouldn't gotten because I, I agree. It's like, I find that most people who have successful companies, it is the culmination of everything. So you've probably learned a, how to get into a room with celebrities through your experience in filmmaking. You also recognize the value of quality versus, you know, uh, respectfully, you know, reselling something cheap on Alibaba and that it's going to break. You're not going to build any loyalty there. Uh, learning to make sure that you listen to the customer to make sure that they understand what they want. And then obviously, you know, having something successful that got you some money in the bank and then recognizing the power of influence and swag to be able to help 
build a business. So taking all of those lessons, obviously you created a great business. What did you learn about leadership and managing people either now or throughout the culmination of all those experiences? Yeah, that's a great question. We have now, we have a little bit over a hundred people now in the business and it's been growing really fast because the first three years was just me and my co-founder and one employee for the first three years of the business and trying to figure out and build a great company culture. It's really you know, an important thing. And we made a lot of wrong hires early on that we had to let go or we had to part ways with because they weren't the right fit. And I've learned that the first 20 hires are really the most important. And you shouldn't necessarily hire based on their skill set. You should hire based on where you believe you could get them to be. I mean, that's really a lot of people look at people's resume and they don't want this person because they didn't have an experience. I think you got to look past that and you really got to find the person. Is this person going to be dedicated? Are they going to work really hard? Are they going to be okay with failure and learning from their failure? Are they going to remove their ego and you know be willing to learn? I think you really have to build an amazing company culture for the first 20. And by doing that, it sets the tone for the rest of the business. As you hire new people, they come in. And I've always thought that people like to play with A-plus players. I believe three plus, three A-plus players are a lot better than three A-plus players plus a B player. Because mm-hmm. even though it's more people, that B player will bring the rest of the team down. So you really want to work with A-plus people. And that doesn't mean they have to go to an Ivy League school. It just means that they have it in them. Like you, you could tell that gut, that feeling of, is this person going to give it their all? Are they a team player? Do they want what's best for the company? Are they going to work really hard? Do they care? If something goes wrong, they really take it and they and they feel it and they want to make it better. So we try to look for those type of players and those type of players always become the A-plus players. Cool. I love that. I mean, obviously with something that's relatively lean and tight, you need to make sure that everybody, you know, is pulling the right weight. And so, yeah, that's cool. And obviously, you know, it, being able to double every year is a testament to, I'm sure, the marketing, the positioning, the company itself, the quality, and of course, the people. So looking at where you're at now, what like excites you? Like, where do you spend most of your time? Where is your strength zone? Is it on the product side? Is it on the people side? Are you like really into like, like the future of retail, like what's your jam these days? Yeah. So I would say my specific jam is the product. I, I, it's kind of interesting. We have a hundred people on the team and I run product. We don't have any product person team. So everything you see in terms of the website and the user experience is me working with our one designer, Steven. And cool. I have a lot of vision in terms of where the business could go. So that's, I guess, one bucket. So I really get excited about that because there's just so much opportunity and we're just scratching the surface at this point. You know, there's over 50 companies in our industry that make over 50 million of yearly sales. We're not there yet. We should be breaking that this year. If we do break that this year, we're going to be like number 50. I mean, there's 49 other companies in our industry that are bigger than us. I think there's just so much opportunity. If we keep pushing and we keep learning from our customers, you know, we have a great opportunity. One of those, for example, is the automation of swag distribution. So the idea from the very beginning was, Number one, let's allow people to easily buy swag and make sure it's high quality. So we have that. Number two, how do we allow people who are buying swag in bulk to distribute swag to remote addresses? So engaging with your remote team, onboarding a new hire, sending swag in the mail to your best customer. 
So we built a swag distribution platform with the click of a button. You could hold swag in our inventory. You could create different inventory clauses, one for the marketing team, one for the sales team, one for the London office, New York office. Each closet has different permission settings, approval flows. So only the marketing team gets access to their closet and making it really easy to do that. That also includes the giveaway functionality of being able to send the link to somebody and saying, hey, select which product you want out of these five, input your address, input your t-shirt size, we grab all the information and send it. That was the second phase and we accomplished that. And we're just obviously refining it. The third, which I'm really most excited about is the automation of swag distribution. Imagine we integrate with JustWorks or Workday or Trinet and these HR solutions. And we could programmatically set it up. Somebody's birthday, it automatically triggers a box sent to them in the mail. Somebody's one year anniversary sends to them. What if we integrate into Shopify and somebody spends $1,000 on any Shopify site, it could automatically trigger swag in the mail to say thank you. What if we integrate into HubSpot and somebody hasn't placed an order in three months, send them a swag in the mail to re-engage with them. A sales lead, you're back and forth with the sales lead. You're never going to close it. You press a button in Salesforce, it automatically triggers a box to be sent or a link to be sent to ask them what t-shirt size they are and their address. There, I see it being like kind of a set and forget it. You buy swag on our site, you connect it, it's automatically doing distributions based on different actions that you want to set. And then what you could do on our site also, you could auto refresh. So you could say, if those t-shirts ever drop to 20, it will automatically reorder. So basically it removes any kind of work from the office managers, the HR teams, the marketing teams, the sales teams, and they can kind of set and forget it. That's the ultimate vision of where we're going, which I'm, which I'm really excited about. But also I'm excited about people, you know, building a company, you start to see and start to get, you know, it's exciting to see people grow within the organization and, and making it their career and seeing their impact on the business and how exciting it makes them feel and giving somebody a raise. And, and as an entrepreneur, there's no, nothing better than having a conversation on somebody's yearly review and being saying, you're doing an amazing job. Here's a promotion. Here's a job title change. That ultimately is the greatest feeling. And that's going to keep you motivated. Cool. I love that. I think it's really interesting. So what I took away from what you were sharing was like, you know, you think of like swag and you think of stuff, right? Because obviously using swag, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you get like shirt and like golf cups and whatever, but your product isn't the shirt cup, whatever. It's really like that outcome of, you know, mm -hmm. what is it doing? Not only for like the, the outcome of the swag to have people feel appreciated, but then being able to support the people that use the swag in being able to make their jobs easier. So that's really the product of swag.com. And I think that's super cool. And I really look forward to hearing and seeing like how you incorporate technology automation into that, like delighting the customer. Cause I think that that's a huge opportunity for people. And, and I think that's really neat. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? Did I kind of get your perspective? hundred percent. You got the perspective. You know, when we started at the very beginning, it was all about the products itself because we wanted to make sure that when people get it, they don't throw it away. Because that was that's the big problem with swag. And everyone thinks of swag as like throw away, costing the company money, tarnishing your brand. And it's not that at all. If, if you really focus on the quality aspect of swag, it can make such an impact. Mm. You know, there's a real return on the investment. If it's really high quality, people will use it every day. They're going to see it and they'll become an evangelist. So in the beginning, it was all about the products itself. And then as we kind of developed and we've spent a lot of money and time and resources in the tech, we're trying to really solve people's needs and really focus on who the buyer is. What's the current process for them to buy swag? How can we streamline it, simplify it, and make their lives just a lot easier? So we've been really focused on that aspect of it.
Yeah. Well, that was actually going to be one of my questions from earlier was, you know, what did you learn from selling $300 t-shirts? Because like objectively, if you said, Hey, I'm starting a $300 t-shirt business, most people will be like $300. Like, Oh my gosh, I got a t-shirt at Target for seven bucks, but it's a very different customer profile. It's a, a very different uh, kind of pain gain equation that people are looking for. It's like the lifestyle thing. So how did you take that perspective and understanding of called luxury t-shirts and then translate that into the the kind of USP that you're using right now. Yeah. So honestly, they are very, very different buyers. Obviously, our, our buyers are business buyers. The t-shirt was consumer. So they're they are very different completely. I took more about from T's and Tads, less about the t-shirt, the actual physical t-shirts and what we're selling in the customer base. I took less about that. I took a, I took from there what I actually really love. That was the most important thing to me. I left T's and Tads wasn't successful, but what I learned from that is that I really love product design. I really loved building a user experience for products to be easy. So our t-shirts were fine. Those $300 t-shirts were okay. They were nice, but it was really the platform itself was a great user experience. It was exciting to learn like how customers want to purchase. It was exciting to think about that Dow Jones marketing channel and strategy to try to convince customers or give customers a really great experience that they could feel confident buying from us, even during that recession. Like it was the thought process and the creativity that I really, you know, connected to. So with Swag, it's completely different buyer, completely different user experience, but it's the same principles of trying to understand who the right buyer is and trying to build the right platform for the right buyer. That makes sense. Absolutely. No, I love that. And I think that's you win or you learn and really being able to take those creative aspects to not differentiate, uh, but also to be able to create something uh, creative and engaging and captivating, which is the whole point of the swag anyways. It has to be creative. It has to be engaging. It has to have sticking factor. And it sounds like everything that you're doing is going to continue to do that. So I'm super excited to see what's next. So uh, Jeremy, where can people learn more about swag.com and where can they connect with you if they want to have a chat? Yeah, obviously, please check us out, swag.com how it sounds, swag.com. Please reach out to me, Jeremy at swag.com. Love to help you out. Whether you're a small startup looking for a a couple of t-shirts or you're a big enterprise organization like Amazon, looking to create a whole swag management portal and swag boxes and kits and distribution, love to help you out. Please reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. Super cool. I wish you nothing but the best on your journey. And it sounds like there's a a lot of swag in in the future coming up. Thank you so much. Appreciate, Appreciate having me. Absolutely. Folks, my guest today, Jeremy Parker, who is the co-founder and CEO of Swag.com. I think there's a lot of great lessons to learn from today, you know, building on your experiences, finding what you really love, understanding your customer and saying, hey, you know, there's some really good ingredients to building a great team and to building a successful future business. So uh, I'm going to check them out to get some swag. I encourage you to, and that was not a promotional post, but, you know, just appreciate it. And I appreciate you for watching If you want some SME strategy swag, if you message us, I will send some to you. I don't know what it's going to be, but if you say, I want some SME strategy swag, it's going to be high quality and I'll get it to you as well. So once again, thank you, Jeremy, for being our guest today. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Appreciate you for watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. 
Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.